Welcome to Becoming Boundary, the podcast that teaches you how to say yes to the space you need and the connection you crave. I'm your host, Krista Resnick. I'm a master life coach and boundary expert for women. I'm also a sought-after speaker and mother to three adultish sons. It wasn't that long ago that I was a boundary disaster. My time never felt like my own. I couldn't set a boundary and speak my truth. And my most important relationships suffered greatly. Fast forward to today, and I've successfully coached thousands of women to heal from their people-pleasing patterns and step into true freedom and confidence. I created Becoming Boundary to help you do the same. Be sure to tune in for tips and tools from me, interviews with other incredible coaches and therapists and speakers, plus one-on-one live coaching calls and so much more. If you're ready to start setting healthy boundaries so you can create the space you need and the connection you crave, then you're in the right space. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Becoming Boundaried. Today, we're going to be unpacking one of my favorite topics, and you're probably laughing because you probably think, she says that almost every week. (laughs) But here on the Becoming Boundaried podcast, there's a lot of things actually that I'm super passionate about that coincide, that go hand in hand with boundaries. So yes, I am super passionate about talking about boundaries. One of my, well, two of my top values are freedom and connection. Nothing got me to those values, got me living into those values faster than building my boundary muscle. Truly. Like that was the tangible thing. Internal boundaries, external boundaries, Those things are what helped me create deep, intimate, honest, true, authentic connection and really helped me to practice freedom in in the terms of freedom to be myself, right? Putting boundaries around caring what other people thought putting boundaries around not being so enmeshed with my emotions, putting boundaries around who I spent time with, how much I allowed people that maybe weren't healthy, how much I allowed them to have access to me. I mean, there was a lot of different ways that I was able to bring in that value of freedom because freedom to me means so many different things. There's also freedom of my schedule. There's nothing better to me than having a day on the calendar with nothing but white space. It's like one of my favorite days. And so boundaries around creating that in my life because I know how important that freedom is to me. Freedom of an open day, the white space, the day where I can just be with me and not have to be anywhere else or committed to any. Thing or anyone else. So yes, I'm passionate about boundaries, but with boundaries also goes the beautiful topic of self-love. With self-love comes codependency, 
And we're going to talk about that actually today. And with all of that comes the conversation of self-care, relationships. So all of these things are really working in tandem. And these are all things moving forward that we're going to be unpacking on the show. Something else I'm really passionate about, you you know, you listeners that have been here with me on the podcast, you know, feelings and emotions. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So that is something else that I'm passionate about that we're going to be talking about a little bit more um, this summer, actually. So lots of different things that we're going to be moving into that maybe at first glance don't necessarily coincide with the boundary conversation, and yet they are super, super in tandem with the boundary conversation. And this is going to make more sense in the future moving forward. So before we dive in to what we're going to be talking about today, I want to let you know that Build Better Boundaries is happening May 17th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is for anyone who wants to really understand boundary basics. What are healthy boundaries? What are unhealthy boundaries? How do we know when we need to set a boundary? What are some of the signposts that we can watch for? Once we know our boundaries, how do we communicate them? So I will help you build some of the language so that you can really effectively communicate your boundaries. How do we stand at the helm of our leadership when we're nervous, when we're fearful, because setting boundaries can be really, really challenging if you're new to this work. And even if you're not new to this work, sometimes boundaries can be really challenging. You know, when we're, when we're setting a boundary with somebody we really care about, a lot of nerves can come up. A lot of fear can come up. Guilt can come up. So we're going to talk about some of that and so much more. So the link to build better boundaries will be in the show notes. So grab that, be a part I know we live in a busy world today, lots going on for lots of people, but as long as you register, you get access to the replay for five days. So please sign up. If you can't be there live, don't let that deter you. Live is always best because it is a little interactive and there's so much powerful conversation that happens um, in that workshop that you do want to try to be there live if you can, but know that if you can't, I get that. I get that. So sign up for Build Better Boundaries happening May 17th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Okay, let's dive into today's topic, which is codependency. Now, I want to start with a little caveat. Some people love this word, like myself. Well, I actually love it and I hate it. (laughs) I'll explain that in a moment. And some people really, really hate it. Some people have been very, very triggered by the word when I have used it. They feel a lot of shame come up when they hear that word codependency, and I totally get that. And for me personally, as somebody who did a lot of self-abandoning, who did a lot of over-functioning, over-giving, had the disease to please, once I realized that I had codependent tendencies, I don't like to say I am a codependent because for so many people, that's their, you know, they put a stake in the ground and it's like, I am codependent. And then that's the label that they run around with, like on the front of their forehead. And it's not who you are. It's simply a pattern 
that you and I have created out of childhood, more than likely. That's where most of this stuff stems from. If you, you know, <laughs> if you haven't heard that before, welcome to my part of the world where I say that all the time. Almost everything stems back to childhood. But moving on, um, they're patterns. You know, codependency, over-functioning, self-abandoning, over-giving, whatever word you want to call it, is a safety mechanism, a coping strategy that we developed out of childhood to keep ourselves safe, safe from shame, safe from big feelings that we didn't know how to deal with, safe from you know, being rejected from part of the community, the tribe, whatever you want to call it, right? The hive. And so for me, when I learned that I had these codependent tendencies, it was really, really empowering because then I knew, okay, this is what I'm battling. This is the root of it. This is where it came from. Now I kind of understand where I can start to begin some of my healing. And it just led me on this beautiful journey. So for me, I found it empowering. If it does not feel empowering to you, I get that. I get that. Okay. So just use a different word. Overfunctioner. That overfunctioning part. Disease to please. Um, overmanager. Overfixer. You know, whatever works for you. Don't get hung up on the term and the label. And again, I don't love labels. I don't like to call people, this is who you are, and this is, you know, I don't want to be diagnosing people. Um, it, it, they're parts. They're parts of us that, that we truly develop to protect. So codependency is this term that really came out of the world of addiction, because as, you know, addicts were in recovery, therapists, doctors, whoever started looking at the family systems and realizing that, hey, there was some behaviors happening in the family systems that really were supporting sort of the dysfunction of the addict, you know, that were keeping the addict sort of in this loop, in this cycle of this addictive behavior and, and habits and, and tendencies, okay? However, codependency, in my opinion, is, again, while I love the word, it's a bit of an outdated term. And what I notice comes up for people is it, it connotates a lot of weakness and sort of this emotional fragility, both both of which are so far from the truth, so far from the truth, right? Normally, a codependent person often is, is not that fragile, weak woman in the corner. Often, most of the clients that I work with are that woman that's holding it all. The weight of the world is on her shoulders because she's got her fingers in everything. She doesn't feel like she can say no to anything. So she's over-fixing, over-caretaking, over-managing, over-pleasing in every aspect of her life. And she's holding a lot. So contrary to what a lot of folks think, it's not that emotional, fragile, weak woman. 
What I want to get you thinking about is replacing that term codependency with something else. And I'm going to share with you what that is in just a moment. So when I first started researching codependency, I leaned into the work of some of the greats, Melanie Beatty, Pia Melody, both huge, huge fans of their work. And I would really recommend that you check out their work because it's extraordinary. However, I recall when I was reading, it was specifically Pia Melody's work. And this is not, you know, there's room at the table for everyone's work. I'm just sharing with you my own personal story. When I was reading Pia Melody's book, I like to take notes. I like to highlight. I like to, you know, I'm kind of a nerd when I read, you know, my growth books. I like to write everything down in a Google document. That way I can go back and kind of see what landed for me, what resonated for me, maybe some things I need to work on. So I take my growth books pretty seriously. So as I'm reading Pia Melody's, I think it was Facing Codependence book, I'm about, I don't know, three or four chapters in, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I see all these behaviors in myself. I got it, got it, you know, lack of boundaries and um, not really owning my reality and, you know, checking all the boxes. But I had this thought pop in my mind of it's not really explaining what codependency is. It's explaining what it looks like and the symptoms. But I'm really, like, struggling to understand the root of it. Like, what is the actual root? And, you know, Pia Melody does talk a lot in her work about childhood, but I just had some confusion around, okay, what is really the root? Like, why do we actually become codependent? Why do we develop that part of ourselves? And so it was really when I started leaning into a gentleman named Ross Rosenberg and uh, his work, The Human Magnet Syndrome, which I will drop the link for his work, his book, in the show notes so that you can all have access to that because it's quite extraordinary. But it was really when I started leaning into Ross's work that I started to go, oh, wow, 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 wow. Ross actually refers to codependency as self-love deficit disorder or SLDD. And I'm going to call it SLDD from here on out because self-love deficit disorder, if I have to say that every time, (laughs) that's a mouthful, right? So what Ross believes is that SLDD takes the stigma and the misunderstanding out of codependency. And it really places the focus on the root of the problem. It really places the focus on the core shame that us folks that resonate with that term codependency helps us focus on the core shame that keeps perpetuating that lack of self-love. So really simple here, codependency is a lack It's a lack of self-love, a lack of self-regard, a lack of self-care, a lack of self-trust, self-esteem, self-value, lack, 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 a lack of self-love. Now, I really have to say, after working with hundreds of clients, 
this truly is the root of codependency. I saw it in myself. I see it in my clients. So we can talk symptoms and how it shows up for you all day long, but we need to understand what the root of this is, and it's a lack of self-love. So for us people who resonate with SLDD, often we will find ourselves in chronically unhealthy, unbalanced relationship where we give the majority of the love, the respect, and the care only to receive nothing in return. This can be intimate partnerships. It shows up, of course, there. It can be friendships. And despite sometimes the pain and the sadness of not feeling like we're seen, not feeling like we're cared for, not feeling like we're getting love and respect, we will tend to stay in those unhappy, toxic dances because guess what? Being with somebody is better than being with nobody because being with nobody means what? We're alone. And when we're alone, there's that feeling of shame. There's that feeling of intense loneliness. So we literally become addicted to relationships hoping, praying, wanting, seeking that these relationships will fill us, okay? And again, this is really important because codependency is a symptom of not really loving yourself. And we've got to deal with the root cause, If we don't get to the root cause and don't start to build awareness and healing around that, it's going to be a lot of Band-Aid work. We're just going to be like putting Band-Aids on things that, yeah, they're going to work for a while, but boom, that pattern is going to resurface at some point. Now, SLDD is, again, rooted in our childhood. It's something actually called attachment trauma. SLDDs, self-love deficit disorder folks, are often, many times, raised in homes with a narcissistic parent who is not unconditionally loving. So what does that mean? They're not attuned to the child's needs and feelings. They could be really rigid and cold. So when you're raised in a household that's rigid and cold, what happens? You feel like you've got to walk on eggshells in your very own home, the home that's supposed to be safe and nurturing and loving. So love in this household is going to start to feel really conditional. It's going to start to feel like it comes with a lot of rules. you got to earn love. Love is going to start to feel like it's very judgmental. I cannot tell you, friends, I would say every one of my clients, we've gone through this process of, but I had a good childhood. Okay. You had your physical needs met. That's actually what you're saying. Your, your parents were at, you know, your, your dance competitions or your basketball games or your tennis matches. 
you had backpack on your back, you had your color crayons for school every year, you had your physical bucket filled. And for some of you listening, maybe you didn't even have your physical bucket filled. But for most of the clients that I work with, they had their physical bu- their physical bucket filled. They went on vacation once a year, yada, yada. Meanwhile, over here, we've got this emotional bucket that is dry, empty. Nothing is getting put in the emotional bucket. So during this absolutely critical, critical, crucial phase of emotional development, here we've got this parent that maybe is either narcissistic or just emotionally unavailable due to their own trauma. It is not your fault. Hear me say, friends, it is not your fault that your parents could not attune to you, could not see you, could not love you in the way that you needed to be loved. And this is highly, highly emotional, traumatic as a child. So what this trauma does is it creates this distorted thinking, distorted value systems, a lack of boundaries, a lack of self-trust, a lack of self-regard, a lack of self-care. These are some of the things that you're going to see on the outside of people who call themselves codependent. And what this attachment trauma does, this hole in your soul, this lack, is it actually creates your relationship template or your blueprint that really sets you up for all of the relationships that you bring into your life as an adult. Because friends, the unmet needs of your inner child are what create chaos in your adult life. Oftentimes what this looks like is we will attract in a narcissist. Because again, back to the book, Ross talks about in the human magnet syndrome, why a codependent, an SLDD, and a narcissist are literally human magnets to one another. Super fascinating read. Again, we're not going to go deep into that because you can grab that book and you can read that at your own you know, time and pace. So what this trauma does is it causes an intense core shame. And core shame is a belief that you are fundamentally bad or flawed. Like there is something internally wrong with you. So you take the way that your parents meet you, or shall we say, didn't meet you in a lot of circumstances, You know, maybe they did meet you with a lot of hollering and screaming. I don't know. Maybe they didn't meet you with any understanding, with any conversations about feelings and needs. So whether they met you or didn't meet you, you internalized how they showed up to mean something about your own worth. And of course, what does that do? It creates, again, this shame. We don't want to feel shame. It's like the most uncomfortable, discomforting, get it away from me feeling. And so we learn in order to not feel this shame as little children. It's a very, very wise, 
wise part of ourselves, we develop this codependency, over-giving, over-functioning, over-managing in order to feel valued, in order to feel loved. We become others-focused, all while we're actually ignoring ourselves. Now, here's something really interesting that happens. Loving someone while remaining invisible in the relationship creates this pathological loneliness. And this is so incredibly painful because the person struggling with this feels so unlovable, so unseen. I know for myself personally, maybe you can relate to my story. I had my physical bucket filled. I had no physical needs that went unmet. But my emotional bucket as a child was completely empty. Everything was shoved under the rug. It was a constant walking on eggshells. It was a constant my feelings being dismissed, not considered. There were no vulnerable conversations. There was no vulnerability. There wasn't ownership of anything in my home. And I can tell you, I felt so unlovable and so unseen. And it was so incredibly painful. So I was desperate to be in a relationship, any relationship, so that that pain would just simply go away. Okay? Now, I'll touch on this a little bit, but again, human magnet syndrome sets this up beautifully. Typically, what will happen is somebody struggling with SLDD, they will reach out for a narcissist because they're a perfect match. Here's why. It begins with this intense excitement. The narcissist actually feels familiar to the codependent. And that's what the codependent knows to do is I'm just here to meet everybody else's needs. I'm just here to lay low. I'm just here to play small. I'm just going to tend to others. And of course, the narcissist is over here going, this is fantastic. It's all about me. Bring me more. Fill me up. Fill my supply, right? So it's a match made in heaven at first. The SLDD, she just, and I say she because this is who I work with. This does happen in men as well. So I say she, but if you're a man listening, glad you're here and this can happen to you as well. <laughs> I just typically serve women, okay? And I have served men before as well, and it, and it definitely um, runs in, in men as well. So the SLDD just, you know, she does what she does. She's just going to keep on keeping on behaving with the other in mind. So in terms of recovery for someone with SLDD, yes, boundaries. We've got to start putting some boundaries into place slowly. Yes, confidence. Yes, 
boundary scripts. Of course, these are all things, again, that I teach in my Build Better Boundaries. And we've got to look at the cause. I cannot say that enough. We've got to start looking at our own childhood stories, our attachment traumas. We've got to start looking at the shame we carry. We've got to start looking at the beliefs that we've created out of our childhood traumas. We've got to start looking at this lack, lack of self-love, lack of self-value, lack of self-esteem, lack of self-worth, and we've got to treat it at the root, okay? We have to learn, my friends, how to fill our very own love tanks or love buckets. <laughs> I've always called them love tanks, and people used to laugh at me about this even before I knew what I was talking about, I would be talking about filling your own love tank. It was just an idea that came to me one day years and years ago. And people were like, what is that? I'm like, you got to fill your own love tank. We've got to do the, our, our work. We've got to do our work around our childhood wounds, our traumas. That's what I'm saying. We've got to go back. We've got to allow ourselves to grieve the parents that maybe we never had. We've got to allow ourselves to get angry about not having the parents that we needed. And by doing that, by allowing ourselves, by giving ourselves the permission to feel, we start to put little drops into our love tanks. And when we start to get drops into our love tanks, now we start to build that confidence a little bit that, hey, maybe I can start to set a boundary, even if that boundary is just with myself for right now. Then we can work toward some external boundaries. And then we can start working towards some other things, right? We were born into the world whole. I believe this with every fiber of my being. When God breathed his breath of life into us. He said, you are good. You were created in my image, my image. Those are his words, friends, not mine. You were created in my image. So if we, in fact, were created in his image, that means we are good. Have you ever thought about that? And even if you're not here and, you know, I don't know what your beliefs are spiritually, whatever you believe, lean into that. Play with that a little bit. You are good. We are complete with self, capital S, energy. What is self-energy? Compassion, curiosity, calmness, connectedness, creativity. Courage, confidence, clarity. Yes, they're all C's. There's eight of them. <laughs> and once we can really start tapping into these innate characteristics, again, I'll repeat them one more time. Compassion, curiosity, calmness, connectedness, creativity, courage, confidence, clarity. Once we start tapping into those, boom, we start experiencing peace. When we are not trapped by the shame of who we think we need to be, wearing the mask, right? Who do you need me to be so that I'm worthy? No. 
We are worthy right in this very second. We are worthy because your eyes popped open today. That's why you're worthy. It is not because you nailed that presentation. It is not because you earned that degree. It is not because you got that promotion. It is not because you earned that fancy car that sits in your garage. It's not because you ran and chased down, you know, the perfect man. No, it's none of that. It's because you took your last breath. It's because your eyes popped open. When you start to really own that and walk in that and really feel that and embody that, when you start to step into who you truly are, friends, it is a peace and a freedom that I cannot even develop the verbiage for. And you have access to that. Every human does. Okay? When we start to live in that place, we can start actually, I'm going to say the word demand. We can start demanding reciprocity in all of our relationships. We start standing for ourselves. We start to say, you know what? I felt hurt when you raised your tone with me. I'm not here for that. We start creating these boundaries. We start speaking our truth. We express our limits. We express our preferences so that we're actually teaching other people how they can be successful with us. If they cannot meet us in what we are requesting, friends, that is feedback for you. You get to decide what you're going to do with that feedback, okay? That's what you have control over. You have control over, all right, they gave me the feedback. I set the boundary. They gave me the feedback. What am I going to do with this feedback? Maybe they can't meet you. They don't have the capacity to meet you in whatever you're asking. Maybe they can't meet you because they are literally dealing with their own childhood traumas and wounds, okay? But you get to decide how you want to move forward in the relationship. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you ask someone and, and, you know, cut them out of your life. What I'm saying is now the ball is back in your court. And what you actually have control over here is what you're going to do with the feedback, Okay, so we have to start acknowledging with SLDD and codependency that we are both the problem and the solution. We've got to take ownership that we have been a victim to our childhood wounding and attachment trauma. And now that we know, we have to take responsibility We have to stop playing the victim. We've got to recognize that we do actually have choices. We have choices. And we can heal. You cannot change your patterns. The way you're showing up in the world if you don't recognize what went wrong. And this attachment trauma burned in your comfort and familiarity with being an SLD, that is what you know about love. That is what you understand about love. SLD is an addiction. You're literally driven to be in a situation that makes you feel really, really good and that helps you escape your pain. 
I remember being in a narcissistic friendship that in some capacities made me feel really, really good about myself. It helped me escape that feeling of intense loneliness and shame. And then there would be the gaslighting and all of the stuff that came with the confusion. And if you haven't listened to my podcast a couple episodes ago on Gaslighting 101, it'd be a really great use of your time to go back and listen to that. I think it was maybe episode 86. Um, but look for that because it's really important that you understand gaslighting. So, because it goes hand in hand with a lot of what we're talking about and narcissism. So back to the friendship. There would be this confusion, right? Like, hold on, wait a minute. What is happening in this moment? Didn't I just X and now Z? And it was so confusing. And I want you to hear me say that your euphoria is temporary, right? We're in these relationships as an SLDD that they make us feel good for a little while, for a moment, that's temporary. It's temporary. Wears off. And then we're stuck with these consequences of being in this relationship that often can be abusive and where we're just not seen, where we're not tended to and cared for and loved and respected. And again, the pain and the loneliness for an SLD is so deep, they will stay in a relationship that has long expired or returned to a relationship that isn't healthy. Many of you, you know, you might have just had a light bulb moment because you're like, whoa, I've always wondered why Megan won't get out of the relationship with Don. It makes so much sense. Or maybe you're thinking, oh my gosh. Now I understand why Cammie constantly is returning to Mike. It makes so much sense now. Yeah, right? Friends, healing from SLD has reaped the greatest rewards in my life. That, again, I, I know I said this earlier, I, I almost don't have the words to formulate but the freedom to just be me, to not be worrying about what other people are thinking and saying, to not have my worth attached outside of myself. I will tell you that is an exhausting way to live. I was exhausted all the time. I would wake up in the morning, and I've shared this, I think, on the podcast before, the minute my eyes would pop open in the morning, my first thought running through my little beautiful brain was, can I get a nap today? Can I squeeze in a nap today? What do I have going on today? Can I get a nap? Because I was that tired. Sleep was on my mind constantly. I was like miserable tired. And now I know that it goes back to codependency, SLD. I was constantly managing my own feelings pushing them down way deep into the ocean of emotion, right? We wouldn't want any of those big feelings to come up. 
Meanwhile, I was saying yes to everything outside of myself. I was trying to portray a certain image, perfection, having all my T's crossed, I's dotted, and I was over on everybody else's side of the street trying to overmanage, overfix, overfunction, overcare for, over, 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 over. Exhausting. And the complete opposite of peace and freedom and connection. It created so much controversy in my life, specifically between my partner and I and my children and I, the relationships that really, really mattered to me. On top of, you know, just attracting these friendships that were so unhealthy, filled with drama, because that's another symptom of an SLD, loves the drama, right? Um, and, And lack of connection, like I craved connection, And I just couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting it. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. What was the root? Why did I keep attracting these people that just didn't really see me and couldn't really care for me and respect and love me in the way that I wanted and in the way that I knew somewhere, I knew somewhere deep down I deserved. The freedom was just the lack of freedom, I should say, because my time didn't feel like it was my own. It was everybody else's because I just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave it away by overcommitting and overfunctioning to everyone around me. And it was a miserable way to live. I suffered. I was so resentful, so full of resentment, so full of envy, and of course, so full of shame. So I know the intensity of this. I know what many of you listening right now are feeling and experiencing. And I can tell you that there is healing and freedom and peace and joy and ease and calm on the other side. If it's possible for me, it's possible for you. So that's what I've got for you today in terms of this concept of redefining codependency. We're going to be talking a lot on the podcast about, you know, some of the symptoms and all of that. We're also going to be talking, going a little bit deeper into what exactly is attachment trauma um, and lots of other things that I have planned. But for now, I think it's really important that you just sit with this and you just marinate in this, okay, this redefines codependency. This sort of flips codependency on its head a little bit hmm, where might I see this SLDD stuff showing up in my own life? What does this look like in my own life? What is my own childhood story? What are some of the beliefs that I bought into as a child about my worth? Just start thinking about some of these things. Start just becoming aware of how you're showing up in your relationships. Are you feeling like there's certain parts of yourself that you have to pack away? Do you feel like you have LRC in your relationships? Love, respect, and care. If not, it's possible that you might be in a relationship, whether romantic friendship with a narcissist. And again, narcissism is on a spectrum and we do use that label 
so much in today's world. Like everybody's a narcissist now, right? And that's not exactly like, that's not exactly it. And we're going to be going into that deeper on the podcast as well. I've got um, an expert in this field actually lined up who's going to be coming on at some point. So we don't want to be like, well, everybody's a narcissist. However, just some things to be mindful of. Do you feel loved, respected, and cared for in your relationship? And if not, why not? What's going on? What's happening? We're building awareness, okay? So get yourself signed up for Build Better Boundaries. Again, happening May 17th. Uh, yes, May 17th. I had to, like, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in May now. Holy smokes, right? It was like a weird moment there. That's happening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Link in the show notes. I'm also going to be dropping uh, my beautiful workbook called The Secret to Empowered Boundaries. And what this workbook is all about is it's just helping you start to identify what some of your needs might actually be. Because we can't set boundaries if we don't know what we need. That's what we're actually setting boundaries around is our needs. So download that. It's a great, robust workbook. You're going to love it. And we will see you at Build Better Boundaries on May 17th. Thank you for listening. I hope that you uh, had a lot of aha moments listening to this podcast today. This is a topic that runs vast and deep, and I am insanely, insanely passionate about helping you understand your codependent tendencies and about really going deeper into this self-love deficit disorder. Friends, thank you for being here. Always remember to stay true to yourself. I'm so glad you're a part of my community and we'll see you again soon. If you like this episode or you're a fan of the Becoming Boundaried show, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets and with your family and friends. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. Have an amazing week and as always, stay true to you.